The title for today's message is Our Spiritual Blessings in Christ. And uh, we're going to take a close look at blessings as found in the Bible. Now, I hope that blessing is a topic of interest to you. Is there anybody out there who is not interested in God's blessings, who doesn't want any blessings from God? No, I didn't think I'd get any hands up on that one. Everybody I know wants to be blessed by God. And so we're going to take a look at the blessings that we have in Christ. And uh, we're going to look at who blesses who. We're going to look at how we receive blessings. We'll take a look at how we give blessings. We'll take a look at physical versus spiritual blessings. And finally, we're going to take a look at that flow of blessings and how they can influence our prayers. So blessings can be understood as this flow. I've talked about this flow. So I came up with this flow diagram here, okay? A flow of good things. And uh, it can be good things, both spiritual and material. And they can flow from God to human beings, from human beings to God, and from human being to human being. Take a look at one of the first that I mentioned there, and that is from God to man, from God to human. And this, you could also say, God blessing you, right? You want to make it personal, and how does this, how does this work with you? When God blesses human beings, what is he doing? He's granting, he's bestowing, or he's making possible material prosperity, or it could be a state of well-being that is emotional or intellectual or spiritual in effect. It should be considered, in my opinion, a close cousin of grace or God's favor. When God blesses, he's showing you his favor. The next thing to look at is some of the ways that God blesses. We're looking at how God blesses you, how God blesses a human being. And when we look at God's blessings, we can look at them in terms of getting what we need for a satisfying life. I mean, when you think about blessings, I'm pretty sure that's kind of what you're thinking. Things that are going to make your life more enjoyable, more filling, more satisfying, and just, you know, generally better. For example, we, we might want a blessing like living to a ripe old age. There's one. Does anybody want to live to a ripe old age in good health? Yes, I thought I might see some hands up on that one. Yeah, I can't believe some of you didn't put your hands up. You're hardcore. I got you out there. Okay, so uh, we might want to be blessed by relative affluence. Don't make me too rich, O oh Lord, that I forget you. Don't make me too poor that I have to steal bread. But affluence, you know, get along in life. Power, you know, the opportunity like to serve in church, status and things like that. These are all, you know, a job, promotion might be a blessing. You know, that's the sort of thing, okay? It might also include, uh, you know, the creation and life itself. So blessings could be personal fertility, children. It could be large herds of livestock, you know, kind of putting it in the old covenant way of looking at it. That would be wealth. 
It could be lots of crops, abundant crops. Well, that would be abundant food, right? Now, these are all things that we can relate to. Now, that way of looking at things was very, very, very much the nature of God's promised blessings within the context of the Sinai covenant, that covenant that he made with Israel at Mount Sinai. And they had spiritual blessings as well, but this is the nature of the covenant. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is. But when you look even at these types of blessings, they could come in two two sort of ways. You could look at them from two different ways. A blessing from God could be God using his transcendent power over all things, because he has transcendent power over all things. He could be using that great power of his to override the physical laws of the created universe and intervening on your behalf so that you get special benefits, right? Special perks, blessings. That's one way of looking at it. You could also look at blessings from God as being the more inevitable or working out results of living his way of life. So blessings could just be, well, those are the, that's the way things turn out. You know, when you conform your life to his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. When you think about God's laws, they really should be understood as the laws, the unchanging laws of the universe. That's really what we're getting at. These are the laws that are built into the universe. And so it makes sense that following these laws is going to make your life better. You run the stats. People who follow these ways are going to prosper in life. God says, do these things and it will go well with you. But even people who do not worship God and do not accept the Bible, but who do the good things that are in there, are blessed by them. Yeah, even people who do not worship God, don't accept the Bible as his word, are blessed and benefited when they obey those aspects of the law that they're able to figure out on their own. Because there are cultures out there that have no contact with the Bible, but they've figured out some basic stuff. Honesty is the best policy, Mike, you know. Go with me, because I think this is the meaning of, of Romans 1, a very interesting, uh, very important little section of Scripture. I'm just going to pluck out two verses from there and leave it at that. But Romans 1, verse 20 says, Okay, for his, God's, in, in, invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, humanity, if you will, are without excuse. Now go to chapter 2, because he goes on and he talks about some more issues that are related, but they kind of go off in a different direction. But let's go to chapter 2 and take a look at verse 12 through 14. He says, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are to be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. I believe what the 
Scripture's getting at here is what I just said. People who aren't even believers, who figure stuff out just through the, you know, the use of the rational human mind and observing the world around them, they figure these things out and they do them. They're blessed by them. They're blessed by them. So I put it to you that these are the inexorable laws of the universe. Now the good thing, and the thing I want you to focus on, is that you don't have to figure it out all for yourself. Because you do have God's word and an understanding of it. What are some of the reasons God blesses people? Now within the context of the old covenant, where we started off, there are a couple of reasons that God blesses that are really worthy of our attention. You know, God doesn't owe people any blessings. He does not owe human beings a single thing. We've done nothing to deserve God's blessings. He doesn't owe it to us, but he is pleased to bless people. He wants to bless people. And within that context of the old covenant, the covenant made at Sinai, he makes it very clear that he blesses people for keeping his laws. Let's take a look at Deuteronomy 7, verse 12 through 14. He says, And because you, Israel, listen to these rules and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the steadfast love that he swore to your fathers. He will love you, bless you, and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground, your grain and your wine and your oil and increase of your herds and the young of your flock and the land that he swore to your fathers to give you. And you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your livestock. Another subcategory. Well, another scripture you can look at is Exodus 23 verse 25. It kind of says the same thing. You can look at that later. But there's another category of reasons that God blesses people, and I want to take a look at that. Go to Proverbs 8, verse 33. Proverbs 8, verse 33. That's seekers of wisdom. Seekers of wisdom. And when you look at the book of Proverbs, you'll see a lot of episodes where wisdom, kind of crying out to people saying, listen to me, listen to wisdom. And there's great wisdom in the scriptures. Not issues of sin or not sin, but wisdom. And again, I put it to you, this is tapping into the wisdom that runs the universe. You have access to it. So in Proverbs 8, verse 33, it says, let me back up to verse 32. And now, O sons, daughters, children, listen to me. Listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates and waiting beside my doors. This is wisdom crying out. If you are familiar with Proverbs, you know that's the picture that's presented there often. Wisdom is crying out to people saying, listen. Listen to me, and you're going to be blessed. And I put it to you, that is tuning in, if you will, to the way things really are. Now, God's interaction with Israel took the material blessings that we looked at at the beginning of the message very seriously. And we went through those. We looked at them there in Deuteronomy 7. Okay, So that gave you a scripture that kind of boiled it down nicely. There's plenty that say the same thing. 
God's interaction with Israel took these material blessings very seriously because they were presented by God as proof of his faithfulness. He promised these things to Israel and he followed through. They were proofs that this is a living God who can make good on his promises. Okay, Now Israel also enjoyed spiritual blessings. Yes, they did. But the emphasis was definitely on the material blessings that they were given. You know, they were how God would prove. And beyond that, he would provide a witness to the nations around them that I'm working with these people. They have my law. They have my, my word. They have my way. They have my priest, etc. I am with them. You've seen the miracles that drew them out of Egypt. These are my people. I am really here. And the blessings that Israel would receive if they obeyed were a proof. They were meant to be seen by the nations around. It's proof. Wow, God really is working through this law. And there are the blessings that prove it. So he would, by that way, give a witness of his presence, presence and the validity of his commandments, and his reality as the true living God through Israel, through material blessings. We're not in the, new, we're not in the old covenant, though, are we? <laughs> I think that we still have the same issues. We are expected to obey. We are expected to seek wisdom. But there's some additional information that we've gathered, and, and I think that you could find these things in the Old Testament, but I think that they're more pronounced in the New. Their faithfulness, endurance through suffering and trial, and belief in the truth. So let's take a look at the first one, faithfulness. Now look, you know, it, it, that would mean we're going to Hebrews 11, verse 20. Let's just go there first. Now for those who are in the New Covenant, the relationship with God is going to put a greater emphasis on the spiritual blessings. But the material blessings are still there. God's people are still blessed materially. But in addition to obedience, the New Testament writings add a few important ideas. Those who are faithful. So Hebrews 11 verse 20 says, By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons. Okay, go to Revelation 16, verse 15. Behold, I am coming like a thief. This, of course, is Christ in returning, speaking of the nature of his return. And he says, Blessed is the one who stays awake, who keeps his garments on. That, that The garments of righteousness, of course. His garments of righteousness on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. So those who are faithful... And faithful means both those who have faith and those who remain faithful. Slightly different, but I'm going to roll them together like that. The next is those who endure through suffering and trial. Go to James 1, verse 12, which says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Endurance through suffering and trial is definitely what James is talking about in that first chapter. Let's now go to Matthew 5, back to the Sermon on the Mount. 
and Matthew 5, verse 11. Jesus speaking here says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So they persecuted Christ himself. The third way is those who believe the truth, who hold fast to the enlightenment, the opening up of your mind that God has provided. Believe and to hold fast. You've got to stick with it to be counted as a believer. Matthew 13, verse 16, says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. And that's a theme you see a fair bit in the New Testament where men of old wanted to know some of the stuff that you have been given to know. Blessed are you because you've been given those things to know. And hold fast to them because they are a blessing to you. Luke 10 verse 23 Then turning to the disciples, he, that's Jesus, said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. Hear what you hear and did not hear it. Very similar verse there. Jump over to chapter 11, verse 27. As he said all these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. He said, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That's a blessing. That's one of the criteria or ways or um, reasons, if you will. God blesses. Now let's talk about another part of that triangle that we started off with. Human to God. Humans blessing God. You bless God. That's not necessarily the way we speak about it nowadays. I mean, very few times do I hear someone say, bless God. You know, people are more likely to say, praise God. In many ways, it amounts to the same thing. Let me explain why. The Hebrew word, when you go back into the old languages, the Hebrew word for blessing literally means bended knee. The word is barak literally means bended knee. And it's a, sort of a word picture that's sort of how the Hebrew language works. And in my eyes, it's a signal that perhaps the concept of blessing may have started with the idea of human beings blessing or praising God. Although the biblical record clearly emphasizes God's blessing upon human beings. And I think that's probably the thing that you're more interested in. You know, I found that, you know, people want to be blessed. They want to know that God is going to work in their lives and bless them. Now, I think that, you know, our blessings towards God are very real and apparent. So let's take a look at the Greek. Because, you know, the New Testament is written in a different language. All right, so the Greek word, and when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, they used this word when they found the word blessed or barak. 
And the word there is eulogio, which is where we get the word eulogy. So when there's a funeral and someone is eulogized at a funeral, that is to speak well of. So the literal meaning of the Greek word there is to speak well of. And they used it in a lot more circumstances than, say, a funeral. But, you know, that's what you see at a funeral. Even if the person wasn't so great, you're probably going to hear about all their good stuff, right? It's a eulogy. Speak well of. All right? You laugh. I guess you've seen that. To speak well of. So both the Hebrew and the Greek words for bless are the same, whether it's going from human to God, as it is when it goes from God to human. It's the same word. Alrighty, it's the same word. Now, when you're looking at many of the modern translations, uh, humans blessing God is going to be translated as praising God. So where you might read in, well, I'm reading from the ESV today, and it will read, bless be God. NIV or the NSAB or something like that might say, praise God. And that's an example of what's called... Um, Functional equivalent, you know, they're basically saying well, this is what it means, which is true. It's exactly true. It means praise. We're not bestowing any benefits of life, longevity, or material prosperity on God. We're praising God. That's what's going on there. Okay? So how does a human being bless God? Well, we bless God through expressions of, of honor, worship, declarations of devotion, our admiration of, of, of his qualities and love. And the Bible, when it's speaking in these terms, often uses a phrase, you'll see it a lot, especially in Psalms, blessed be Yahweh. Barak Yahweh. <laughs> blessed be the Lord. Go to Psalm 28, verse 6. Take a look at one of those. There's lots of them. That's Psalm 28, verse 6, where we're going to go, which says, Blessed be the Lord. So this is a song where people are singing, Blessed be the Lord. And I, as I mentioned, in other translations, you'll see that as praise the Lord. But here, the, I mean, the, the formal word there is blessed be the Lord, because it's Barak, it's the word bless. For he has heard my voice and the pleas, my pleas for mercy. Go to Genesis 14, verse 20. An example from before the covenant was put in place. Uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out the bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High, and he blessed him. And he said, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Both using the same word, bless, whether it's from God to man or from man to God. So this, it's an interesting comparison, isn't it? Let's talk about human to human. Human, like you, blessing other people. Because you can do that, and actually you're called to do that. You're called to do that very thing. Now, you know, we talked about blessings from God as granting or giving of good things, right? But that granting or giving is not always between humans, God, or from God, humans. It's also from human to 
to human, from person to person. For example, we looked at one of these already. An aged or dying parent might make a transfer of personal goods or family authority to their children. And it's a blessing. That same parent is calling upon God for this blessing upon his children. Think of Jacob's blessing of his sons. Blessing upon his sons. Another would be Another would be uh, spiritual leaders, priests, might offer a blessing upon the people or the nation. Leviticus 9, verse 23. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Numbers 6, verse 23. This is a very popular one. Coffee mug worthy. You see, uh, see these guys running around in church, uh, not churches, in hospitals. They do this, they do the ironic blessing on all these people. Anyone ever been given the ironic blessing by anyone? No? Okay. I have. <laughs> Laying there in a hospital bed, someone wants to come and bless you. Okay. So, uh, where was I? Numbers 6, verse 23. says, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the Lord of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. Deuteronomy 10, verse 8 says, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Let's go to 1 Samuel 2, verse 20. 1 Samuel 2, verse 20. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. So here's an example of Eli, the priest, blessing Hannah. She had more children. A blessing to an individual. Not just always the people, the nation. You know, speaking to a big amphitheater full of folks. This is one-on-one here. Okay? Third would be a person might speak a blessing upon a person of higher authority, status, or of good moral character. Take a look at 2 Samuel 14. Verse 22, which says, And Joab, that was the leader of uh, the leader of the army there in Israel, fell on his face to the ground and paid homage and blessed the king, David. There's Joab, and he's coming before the king, down on his knees, and he blesses the king. Take a look at Deuteronomy 24, verse 13. There's something kind of uh, formal and a little bit artificial about, you know, this bless the king, but it's definitely there. Uh, Deuteronomy 24, verse 13 is a little different, more personal. 
it's talking about these situations of debt, security, and repayment. So someone owes someone something else, and the creditor wants some collateral. So he takes the guy's clothing, because that was one of the main ways that people had wealth. So he'd take his cloak and he'd keep it as surety against the loan. But the guy then doesn't have a blanket at night. So it says, uh, verse 12, And if he's a poor man, you shall not sleep in his pledge. You shall restore to him the pledge as the sun sets, that he may sleep in his cloak and bless you. And it shall be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. Okay, so those are some examples of humans blessing other humans. Now, although the blessing is from one person to another person, there is an understanding that this is something spiritual. You know, it's a little different from someone saying, well, you know, I hope you get, I hope you get what you're asking for. You know, and people do that all the time, right? Yeah, well, my best thoughts are with you. I hope you get it. Yeah, good luck. But when you say, God bless you, a different kind of a thing because it's a spiritual you're, you're inviting something in there it's a spiritual transaction where god is the unspoken third party in this whole transaction between you and this other person this whole act of human interaction and blessing is intercession that's a word we use intercession we use it when we talk about prayer don't we well blessing can be looked at as intercession on behalf of others. We act as an intermediary. You know, there's a need. Someone needs some help. We ask on their behalf. God provides benefit. So we're in the middle. We're like a broker. You know, we're a go-between. Where God is the unstated party in the transaction. Now, sometimes we might actively engage God, say, God bless you. Or we might just say, you know, blessings to you. Whether spoken or unspoken, it's an invitation to God to be involved in this transaction. So you might, for example, present a, to God in prayer someone who you believe is worthy of his attention or his kindness or his assistance. So you might say, bless the king because he is worthy of your blessing. Maybe he's not a, a great guy, but he's been given the task of authority, which is a God-given task. He needs your blessing. You might say, bless my creditor, guy that I owe money to. Bless this man. Why? Because he's kind. So I ask for blessings on this person. And an intercessor, an intercessor recognizes God as the source of all these benefits that we all want we all seek and we all need and we all desire so much. Again, does anyone out there not desire blessing? Raise your hand. Huh? No, we all want that. We all want that. We know we need it too. I mean, I, you know, you look at your life. I don't know if you ever do this. Probably do. I look at my life and I look at stuff that's happened. And I, I look back and I think, how did that ever come to pass? You know, if it was just me working on my own steam, I don't think that ever would have happened. I, I, I couldn't have done this on my own. I couldn't have found a virtuous woman. I don't know that I ever would have been able to get ahead in a career like I was able to or, you know, 
So many of them, or survived some stupid thing that I did, you know. <laughs> can't believe I'm still alive. There are lots of things like that that I can look at in my life. And I bet there are in yours too. Where you need God's help. Okay, so anyways, an intercessor recognizes God as the source of all these benefits we need and desire. And an intercessor asks and seeks them out on behalf of the other person. Now in the New Covenant, okay, this concept of intercession has the same strength that it had in the Old Covenant when we consider the risen Christ acting as our intercessor and acting as our high priest who intercedes for us, but also who blesses. But we also have a call within the context of the New Covenant, the understanding that we have, we have a call to minister to one another, care for the needs of one another, do we not? To intercede for one another, yes we do. Friend and foe alike. Matthew 5 verse 44 says, Love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. So you and I have been tasked with and told to bless other people, friend and foe alike. Friend and foe alike. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take what I'm going to call Spiritual Blessings, the Expanded Edition. <laughs> All right? The Expanded Edition. New Covenant believers. New Covenant believers still want and need God's blessings on our wealth. Um, we, want, we want blessings on our livelihood, our jobs. We want God's blessing on our family. We want to reap the good results of honest work. We want God's protection and a whole lot more. We want those things, right? You want it, I want it, you know that. However, the new covenant in which we find ourselves has a, an emphasis that is more upon the spiritual blessings that we experience through Christ. Go with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Now, Paul's writing to the congregation here in Ephesians, so this is very much a church document, and he says in this beginning portion of the letter, Blessed be the God, so here's Paul blessing God, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So that's kind of like the headline Paul writes over this section, this is what this is, the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. And then the letter goes on in this first chapter to put some meat on the bones. Put some meat on the bones. Let's take a look at these, okay? Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So one of the first blessings that we have is we are chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now you might hear that. You might say, well, um, uh, I don't know. Do I? Is that a spiritual blessing? It kind of sounds like um, a burden. That's something i got to do. <laughs> i got to live up to these high standards, right? 
Oh, how's that a blessing? Okay, well, let's take a look at that. God has a plan, a plan of spiritual creation. And his plan is moral and ethical. You might think those mean the same thing. They do not. Moral in that it provides guidance, it provides correction, and standards for what you do. That's the nature of God's plan and his plan for spiritual creation. It's ethical in that it reaches beyond the external experiences, what you can see about this man or, or this woman, what they do, and gets into the thoughts and the motives behind the actions. That's what ethics are really all about, as opposed to morals. Now, in this verse, we also read about holiness and blamelessness. Holiness and blamelessness. Now, you might think they're the kind of the same thing, right? Was he just like Paul, just kind of using fancy pants language? Or is he drawing out something by using this repetition, holy and blameless? Why not just say holy? Kind of means the same thing as blameless. Well, I put it to you that holiness... And blamelessness are looking at the same thing from different angles, positive and negative. Holiness means to be pure and worthy of honor. Holiness emphasizes the positive aspects of moral and ethical thinking and behavior. The doing of what is good. An example of that would be, be generous to those who are in need. That's a proactive doing of good. Now, blamelessness implies, I believe, staying free from aspects of behavior and character that would taint you or you know, leave a stain on you, that would render you less pure and less worthy of honor. I think in this way, blamelessness emphasizes the restraining, the holding back, the self-control aspects of your moral behavior and your ethical thinking. In other words... Don't do evil. So an example of this would be, thou shalt not lie. Don't lie to one another. So there's a positive, you know, do good and don't do evil. Now God's blessings, this is a spiritual blessing that we're talking about here. So God's blessings through Christ, what's going on here? God's blessing is drawing you to him. And what's happening is it is allowing you to tap into the truth of the universe. How things really are. When you got these guys, you know, Albert Einstein and Stephen Hawking, and they wanted to find out the, you know, principle that rules everything. Singularity. Right? Well, the universal truths of the universe are actually spiritual in nature. And they have been revealed to you directly by the Creator. I right, touched on that a little bit in the first portion of the message. But you have been given access to the truth of the universe. And it's a blessing to you that you don't have to struggle and you don't have to grope around in the darkness looking for meaning. Because, well, most people do. And they're always struggling, and they're trying to figure out, well, what does this all mean, and where are we headed? You don't have to do that. Because God has given you the answers. 
Not that he's answered every last little, like, you know, some of these questions I get in the Bible study. He hasn't answered every little thing, but he's given you the answers to the big questions. And he's told you what it's all about. And he's told you where it's headed. And he's told you how to get there. And that is a blessing. That is a blessing. And not everybody has it. You, you know, we, you and me, we take it for granted after, I don't know, decades of having it. You just think, yeah, you know, everybody could have this if they wanted it. Not so. Given to you by God, and it's a blessing. The next spiritual blessing. God has set a plan in place from before creation. We are to be part of his family. Verse 5 and 6, he says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. I like the way the NIV puts it, uh, to be brought into the fullness of sonship. Okay, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. So God has set this plan in place. And so there's, we have this progression of salvation to redemption to resurrection and immortality. Very simplified overview of God's plan of spiritual creation and you know what's in store. And that plan has been made plain to you. You get it. You know it. And, you know, you've talked with a lot of other people and, and people have it all jumbled up. You have the straight scoop. And that leads to some real benefits. And some of these benefits we enjoy now in the flesh. A lot of them we look forward to only in the future. Some of them we understand now. But some things we only understand once we've done it. Can you really describe what a chocolate cake tastes like to someone who is you know, blind um, and has never tasted chocolate cake? How would you describe it to them? They can only experience the joy of chocolate cake by taking a bite of chocolate cake. And there are certain aspects of what God has in store for us that they're like that. You know, we know some very important things, though. You know, as Paul says, we're, we see through a glass... Darkened glass, but at least we're not in dark mess. So we're given some very important things that we are privileged to know and look forward to. We will be like him. We will be born of the Spirit. We will no longer be subject to death. We will be filled with joy, peace, and every good thing. And as first fruits, we will have a certain status within the universe. Uh, drop down to verse 12. It says, so we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Something special about those who are called now. We don't know everything that pertains to eternal life. Sometimes we speculate about it, and it can be fun to speculate, but through God's word and spirit, we know enough that we are not left in darkness and futility of our thinking, as many people are. And indeed they are, folks. We take it for granted that what we know is plain and obvious, and you know, if people just had the sense they could figure it out. No, they cannot. They won't. And this is a blessing that you have and you hold, and it is very important. Not everybody has this. Verse 7. 
knowledge and redemption of forgiveness. Verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. So while we are yet in the flesh, isn't it good to know that the consequences of your mess-ups, your mistakes, your failures, do not have to be permanent? Because we all mess up. But you're not doomed because you have failed. You're not doomed because of sin. Because through Christ you can be forgiven and you can be redeemed. And that's good to know. I mean, if you've fallen down, God's more than happy to pick you back up on your feet so that you can live and that you can learn and that you can grow in grace and knowledge. And that's good to know. I didn't know that before. I either thought nothing mattered or I thought I was hopelessly doomed. Those are the options that most people have if they're a sinner and don't know God, don't know Christ. I was not raised as a Christian, really. I didn't live as a Christian, that's for sure. Those were my options. Bad and worse. (laughs) Pretty much. That is knowledge that is a real blessing. You have it. Not everybody does have that. So the next one, receipt of God's Holy Spirit. Drop down to verse 13, which says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The receiving of God's Holy Spirit is a sign of God's choosing and his acceptance. And that rite of baptism, the ceremony, takes place in the flesh. is sort of like something we have to remember, to have and to hold as an official point in time when we entered into a covenant with him. And the Spirit of God has benefits. You're blessed by them. Remember, we're talking about spiritual blessings here. Now, you know, people talk about spiritual blessings, and I've heard people talk about it, and I, I don't know, perhaps it's just me being somewhat dense and foggy, but I kind of walk away with some conversations with people where I feel like the idea of being of receiving spiritual blessings is that I feel good. I feel blessed. I'm in a really good spiritual place right now. That's sort of how it's been, you know, come across to me. And I don't deny that that's good, having a peace of mind in here and now, but what do we know about the spiritual blessings of the Holy Spirit? Well, we know some very important things. You are given conviction through the Holy Spirit, conviction of what is right and is wrong. You are given understanding of God's written revelation. You're given insight and discernment. And as we read here, it is also a pledge. You can look back to, we look back to every year at the Passover. You can look back to your baptism any moment you want. It is a pledge from God of the Spirit within you, which is a pledge of Spirit-born life that we are looking forward to. That is a blessing for today. We have these you know, tangible things that we receive from the Spirit. Conviction, understanding, insight. But it's set up for an even greater realization when we are raised to life. And we are born of the Spirit. This is your takeaway. Takeaway. Oh, that was all very interesting, Mr. Scott. 
what am I going to do about any of that stuff? It's good to know. It's nice to have a walking, talking encyclopedia. What am I going to do about this? Okay, so when Paul finishes this section, he moves on to another section, the rest of this chapter, and we're going to take a look at verses 15 through 20. He says this, For this reason, so knowing all this stuff that we just went through, these spiritual blessings in Christ, because I, Paul, have heard of your faith, you Ephesians, in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who have believed according to the working of his great might, the same might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul takes this information and uses it in prayer as an intercessor to bless others through prayer. What does he do? Let's break it down. He starts off by saying, I give thanks. He gives thanks for the fellowship. So offer thanks and gratitude that you've been placed in a body of people who share in, who believe in, and who walk in the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. You don't have to be alone. And you're here, and I'm glad you're here. There are some people who um, seem, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to do it alone. Just me and the TV screen. You don't have to be alone. God doesn't, I, don't, I think, you know, God said of the first man, it's not good for a man to be alone. I don't think it's good for anybody to do anything alone. You don't have to be alone on your spiritual walk. God provides fellowship and solidarity through the church. Take advantage of it. God's put it there for a reason. Another one of those, you know, laws of the universe. It's there for a reason, folks. Do it. You know, be here on the Sabbath. Don't have to be alone. It's not good for you. Okay, what else does Paul do? He intercedes for them for their wisdom and insight. Okay, he asks that they be filled with the spirit of wisdom and insight gained from having all those spiritual blessings that we talked about. He said, let, let that really sink in. I think what he's saying here in his prayers is let that really sink into their minds and interceding for them on this behalf. Let those spiritual blessings really, you know, like, make a difference in their lives. And you can pray this way, too, for other people, that they be filled with the spirit of wisdom and insight, that they gain more wisdom and insight on things spiritual, but also on things material, if you will. Some people need wisdom and insight on their job or with their family. Some people need it to you know, deal with death in the family, things like that. Pray for people. Let the wisdom and insight of God's spiritual blessings make a difference in their lives. I hope that you have prayed for others that way. It's not always a matter of, you know, help John get a new car. Help John get over um, leukemia or whatever he's got. Not you, John, but, you know, just John. 
John Doe. Uh, so another thing, he intercedes for them regarding their understanding of the truth. A little slight difference into this same subject. He asks that they be filled with a good understanding of the truth that God reveals through his word. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible addresses and answers many points about the reality of human existence. Those are answers, questions and answers that cannot be understood through science and observation. I mean, you know, we looked at Romans and there's some things people can figure out on their own. There's a lot of stuff people will never figure out on their own. No way. It can't be figured out by science and observation. Philosophy and human reason hits, a, hits the wall. And I'm really into philosophy. I like reading it and talking about it and thinking about it. It hits the wall. And it just reaches a point where it's like, well, nothing makes any sense. The answers you receive from the Bible are often not, or usually not answered by man-made religions either. Man-made religions actually offer deception and lies which make the problem worse. So knowledge matters, and understanding doctrine matters. Pray for other people that they understand, that it sinks into their mind and makes a difference. None of us would know about God's plan for glory through salvation if God had not revealed it to us in his word. I don't know anything except what I've been taught. I got nothing for you, folks. And without it, there really there are no lasting spiritual blessings. They are built on a foundation of knowledge. Pray for others that they experience power of God's Spirit in their daily lives. Another thing Paul did there. Pray that those you are praying for seek and acknowledge this power that's at work in their lives, and that they know that this is the same power that rose Christ, Jesus Christ, from the dead. This is the same power at work in your daily lives. Same power that brought about the resurrection of the firstborn from the dead. Take a look at Romans 8, verse 11, from my last scripture, which says, which says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's the same power at work. Jesus Christ is risen, which is a very important event. It's been given to you. Knowledge of it has been given to you through God's word, attested to by many witnesses and recorded for all ages in scripture. That is also a spiritual blessing. So pray for others as a blessing from person to person. Bless other people. Bless God through praise, worship, and be blessed by God through obedience, through endurance, and through seeking wisdom.